Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Amanda Siegel and Elisa Quint. Amanda is a Yiddish singer, songwriter, actor, recording artist, and scholar in Yiddish music and culture, who, according to the New York Times, exemplifies the attempt to bring a centuries-old language and culture into the contemporary world. Her CD of original and adapted Yiddish songs is called Tzoyantamen, a Thousand Flavors. Amanda is co-editor with Elisa Quint of Women on the Yiddish Stage and is a member of the Digital Yiddish Theater Project. She received the YIVO Joseph Kremen Memorial Fellowship for her research project, The Browder Sisters, Forerunners of the Yiddish Theater. Elisa Quint is an editor at Tablet Magazine and teaches at Yeshiva University. She's the author of The Rise of Modern Yiddish Theater, a runner-up of the National Jewish Book Award and the Jordan Schnitzler Award. She is also the co-editor of the forthcoming series, Yiddish Voices, published by Bloomsbury and sponsored by the YIVO Institute. Welcome and uh, apologies for shortening your bios because your accomplishments on both sides are amazing <laughs> and many. Um, so I'm eager to speak with you today about your forthcoming Women of the Yiddish Stage. And I thought maybe to start off, if you could speak a little bit about the project and how it came about. Um, well, hi, Lisa. Thanks for having us on the schmooze. It's so great to be here with you. Um, so this volume originated in a conference that um, I hosted at Columbia University back in the summer of 2016, and it was one. It was meant to be a one-day um, conference, and even with just one day of panels, I really couldn't find enough scholars to populate uh, the conference. I had to rename it "Women and the City in the Yiddish Theater," <laughs> and. Um, um, and, and this is true of only of the usual suspects. I'll say more about that in a second, but I couldn't find among my, my colleagues um, enough people to uh, address the topic, even though everyone among us were, were very interested in it. Um, and we did have a panel with archivists and the archivists came forward with an abundance of material and, um, uh, and, and they, were, they were saying how much um, um, how much attention all of this material they thought um, were needed. So we we had a panel on them. So we all looked at each other at the conference that day and we said, well, we know women were on the modern Yiddish stage since its first performances. Um, and um, in a sense, the presence of women made it fully modern. Um, that is the Yiddish theater. Um, but they were not the recipients of equal treatment by the scholarship, and there was some recognition of their presence, but it was really characterized by tokenism um, rather than deep analysis. So um, so uh, I guess a year or two later, uh, Miriam Chai and I got together um, and said, let's see what we can um, we can we, we can find in terms of um, scholars to address some of these issues that we we tried to talk about at that conference. And um, we we received an abundance of material with time, um, you know, word traveled and um, and we heard from many scholars around the world. Um, and so we have, for instance, people, uh, many scholars who I'd never known before. So for instance, Anna Rosenfeld in Poland and Germany wrote about Deanna Blumenfeld, and she was already working on her. And Ina Pukulit in Lithuania was writing about Sofia Erdi and Rochel Berger, impresarios in interwar Kaunas, and Veronica Belling 
um, who wrote about the impresario Sarah Sylvia in South Africa. So this all kind of broadened the project. And, um, you know, with time, um, we we had so much material because um, really, how could we turn it away um, that we needed to publish it in three different places. So 12 scholarly articles will appear in this Legenda volume. Um, and then we have a big bunch of memoiristic materials and beautiful photographs. And those will appear on the Digital Yiddish Theater Project website. Um, and I urge your listeners to go to go look for it. It's beautifully translated. And then the, uh, um, the memoirs of Esther Rochel Kaminska and then three Yiddish plays by women playwrights will appear in the first two volumes of Yiddish Voices, the new translation series sponsored by the Yivo Institute. Wonderful. And um, one of my questions was going to be for both of you, sort of what were the challenges of coming up with, as we would say, the table of contents for this? Because it, in scope and in breath, it just it it's really quite amazing, the breadth of it. Miriam Chaya, do you want to respond to that? Sure. Um, well, do you mean the order of the table of contents or just the contents more that, generally? That just um, in general. I mean, I, you know, again, and um, I think that you cover the globe in this. Um, you cover time periods in this. And I find it really interesting as a reader who comes to it cold, as it were, um, how much I could take away from it. Wow. Well, that's that's great to hear. I mean, in a way, it's it's a little bit chronological, but that wasn't completely possible. But we tried wherever we could to try to put um, put people together if there was something that they had in common. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, how um, certain names would would pop up in one article and then they would pop up in a completely different context in another article. But I mean, basically, we try to we try to. Um, go through all of these different ways of looking at women on the Yiddish stage. So, you know, in the beginning, we talk about memoir. We also talk about biography of Yiddish artists, female artists. And um, we talk not just, the articles are not just about um, stage performance. I mean, clearly that's a big part of it, but it's also about um, people that created creative content. So for example, choreography, lyrics, um, you know, direction, uh, those types of things, but also um, lyrics. So we have two articles about lyrics, for example, and um, also working as an impresario, that's another thing that came up. And also how do we look at um, that came up also in a few different articles. How do we look at particular personalities or topics through a more modern lens? Because Elisa talked about modernity in like in a broader sense, but in terms of being aware of feminism and looking at people through a sense of being aware of gender, being aware of the obstacles, um, you know, that women faced in that time and in this time. So there are also articles that talk about that looking at 
Yiddish uh, women artists from a feminist perspective, looking at, you know, artists that were not well represented in their time or where we don't have anything in their voice and we have to try to imagine. So there is really a lot of different ways um, that plays out in the table of contents. I, I would go on to say that, you know, it's interesting, you've got common themes or issues that run through each of these biographies, you know, sexuality, ambition, and how those morph and change from decade to decade, and how they are as relevant in these biographies, which go back a ways, and all of the things that the women did to rise to the occasion, as it were, um, and, and how they changed. And I wonder, what it was like for you in terms of curating um, and and seeing the common themes, and were you surprised also by the strength of the women's voices in this? Um, that is such a good question. Um, uh, so what I would say is that I um, I I was surprised because when I was when I wrote my book about Avram Goldfaden. Um, I did one chap, I wrote one chapter on women, um, based on the little pieces of evidence that I was able to tease out about their life, which was, which was not very much. And I really saw, um, them only as they contributed to this larger emergence of the modern Yiddish theater, mostly dominated by operetta. Um, and then here, looking at women's lives and looking at women, qua women in, in the theater, in the theater arena, I was really struck by, um, uh, I was really struck by how much it was important to them to be um, financially independent. Um, but it wasn't obviously just the actresses that wanted this financial independence. What happened was, we saw through their lives that a lot of women wanted financial independence. And this was true of women um, who um, were never married and who, who did not have husbands to rely on or families to rely on for financial independence. Um, and also those who were married, they continued to work and they were continuing, um, continued to be passionate about what they did and about their independence. And that's really was striking um, when we're talking about women from a hundred years ago. I think that was what surprised me the most. And I felt very, um, to be very relatable. In, in the book, one of the pieces about Miriam Crescent, is that the correct pronunciation? Um, yes. It was great. I mean, I think that that's an example of what you just mentioned where, um, you know, I, I'm quoting from the book, she sought to educate her audience about American life, but in their own language while encouraging her audience to dress stylishly and nurture their families in the kitchen. She encouraged them above all to educate themselves, to know what it was to be American, to vote, to read novels, and to visit art exhibits. I mean, I just, I love this, that the these, you know, not, not as a metaphor, but but the stage, um, whether they were acting, directing, or creating lyrics, was really a platform for them to have um, purchase in issues and to encourage. Um, and it's kind of fascinating to me that there's that duality, as you mentioned, that this is an uh, you know livelihood for them, but it's also a, an opportunity for them to. Um, Self-actualized. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and 
I, I, you know, again, I would ask you, you know, what in in choosing some of these stories, um, did you have to leave some on the cutting room floor? Because you've got just such a brilliant range of these biographies that represent all sorts of different situations. I mean, I think Miriam Hayek can speak more about this, but one of the things that happened when we were um, curating this volume is that a lot of the stories, a lot of biographies like Miriam Crescent took us beyond just like the regular, I don't know, the typical or standard theater um, arena and brought us into radio. Um, radio was really important, right, Miriam Chaya? Um, with Miriam Crescent and also um, Deanna Blumenfeld. Um, I don't know if you want to say more about that. Yeah, I mean, radio, even though it had a lower status, was a very important source of livelihood and also for audiences, for Yiddish actors and playwrights and musicians. So, yeah, it's interesting, too, that there's really not very much scholarship about Yiddish radio. There's one book, there's a few articles, but there's certainly nothing about specifically about women in Yiddish radio. So yeah, those are really interesting examples. So we tried to, um, I think we tried to keep the scope broad in terms of what's, um, in terms of what's uh, considered theater. So dance, you know, we consider dance to be a form of theater and choreography and also radio, translation, um, writing lyrics, managing a theater and also all of the politics that go into managing a theater, especially, for example, in the articles uh, about women in Lithuanian Yiddish theater, what it was like to be living in Lithuania in the early 20th century and managing a theater as a Jewish woman, managing a Yiddish theater and trying to get help from the Lithuanian government and bring in artists from other countries and nurture the local scene. So I think... Um, we try to keep the idea of theater as broad as possible, but um, we do kind of keep our focus on historical, um, historical Yiddish theater. So that's in a way a little bit limiting and we try to keep it really about stage or I guess radio performance, but less about other types of performance. So that those were kind of the limits, but to be honest, I don't think there's that much that we actually rejected. We really tried to cast a, a wide net. But I do have to say that to me, especially as a research librarian, it's very important to make primary sources accessible to a broader audience. And um, through translation, through the translation of memoirs, specifically in other texts such as articles, we really hear from women in their own voices and um, that itself is a type of performance. So it's really exciting to be able to make that material available um, to people that don't necessarily read Yiddish. Thank you <laughs> on behalf of one of them. And again, I think it's interesting, and it was a question I wanted to ask, you used the word theater in the title. And yet, again, as a reader, I love the fact that, you know, you've got Vivi Lacks writing about lyrics, you've got Sonia Gallant's writing about dance, you've got Carid writing about radio. And it really, again, um, it, it provides you with the sense that, you know, each of these women had a strong place. Um, they had career, they had, um, they they furthered things in a way that we were, we're not used to 
necessarily reading about. They're, they're great individual stories in and of themselves. They're fabulous. Um, and then they give you all these other insights into, um, you know, all aspects of performance. I also love, again, that you bring us in, as you say, with the primary sources. There's one, if I may, again, quote, I loved the, um, now it's not a woman, but Moscovich threw all he had into the performances and it's talking about a theater, improvised theaters under starry skies of Argentina with coyotes howling in the distance. Never did she see him more inspired. It was an amazing spectacle to see a posse of Jewish cowboys riding over South America, riding over a South American hill and dale to commune with Strindberg, Eyes, um, Ibsen, Gordon, Cobran. I mean, again, it places Yiddish in these places that you don't think of it, it places it in a larger cultural context. And I applaud you um, for doing the work with all of these scholars in, in bringing this into the book. Um, and again, I wonder if that was, uh, if these were sort of unexpected stories um, and vignettes as you went along. Yeah, well, um... You know, in academia, you can't exactly decide um, on uh, on the uh, you know ten different topics you want people to write on and expect people to write those articles um, for your volume. It's it's much more fluid than that, and um, you have to. And and I'm we're we're grateful for this and. Uh, but you have to kind of ex accept what's out there in a sense or what people are already cultivating and working on because these projects are sometimes, you know, five, 10 years in the making. And so um, we were just very happy to connect with these scholars who, you know, in their own corners of the fields, um, you know, were illuminating the lives of these women. Um, so, so it is, um, kind of a really, um, interesting collection, I think, um, of, of topics. And I think, of course, it, it reflects broader trends, um, in academia and in the field to, let's say, broaden, um, uh, broaden our understanding of the Eastern European Jewish, um, experience, um, that it was not just in Poland and New York, for instance. We know it was in so many other corners of the world, but that's really starting to really fill out. Um, and scholars are really fleshing that out in such brilliant ways. And then I also think that there's a broader trend that this uh, volume reflects, which is to challenge this idea of women as defining or defined by the Jewish family. Because I think you have these women who are so independent, um, um, you know, pursuing pursuing these lives um, of independence, and um, I think we're going to have a much richer understanding of the um, women's experiences through this volume. So, it you can you can tell that it's it's not just they're not the odd women out these actresses they. Um, they reflect broader concerns. Um, and of course, that's in Carid's scholarship on Miriam Cresson that we discussed. Um, uh, who else discusses? I mean, it, you, you can see it in, in the work of um, um, Varnke's. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Nina Varnke's um, essay, which starts you out also, it, it yes. puts you in that place. And, and it I, I think it really opens you up to understanding what follows. 
Um, yes. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that one. I, I love how she invokes this um, chronicler of the Yiddish theater, a man named Beryl Botvinnik, who wrote for the Forverts, um, who talked about how or who suggested that celebrity women um, of the stage were emasculating their husbands and were very neg a negative influence on marriage um, because it, it shows in, you know, it's it's only a much more exaggerated idea of what the, the Yiddish language and more conventional older scholarship was um, about these women. Um, and that, that obviously we're trying to rewrite that with this volume. Do you give, well, I'm sure you give thought to it. So I'm not sure how to phrase this question, but I'm always curious um, in terms of, understanding that you know Yiddish was a language and it's no different than any other language and that its arts are in response to its contemporary issues and I think that this is true within this collection that women were dealing with issues that weren't just unique to them as Yiddish speakers I mean there certainly were some and uh do you in bringing out these stories do you begin to see this as part of a sort of a larger, you know, reflection of their work in that contemporary context is a very convoluted question. Sorry. Miriam Chaya, do you want to take that? Yes, although I'm not sure I totally understand the question. Um, <laughs> understandably, because it was meandering. I guess um, in just in looking at these pieces, then do you see that in a framework of you know, other women uh, who um, were creators of, um, you know, performers, creators, what have you, um, their contemporaries who were non-Yiddish speakers, were they dealing with similar issues? Um, were their lives in any way parallel to one another? Absolutely. I mean, not being a, a scholar of like more broadly of other types of creative work. I can't really speak for other, you know, genres or other languages, but yeah, definitely there's certain themes that come up that I think are really universal. For example, um, you know, this idea of like women that were married to men that were overshadowed by their husband's careers. I think that comes up um, a lot. And, um, you know, that article that Elisa mentioned about, um, you know, actresses that were married two men and you know this complaint that they're somehow emasculating their spouses by you know by the nature of their work so that's definitely like an issue i think still comes up also certainly in the memoirs certain things like um you know uh ayla grober had applied to the workers circle for funding which of course then was called the workman's circle and they rejected her because they said it's not worth supporting an actress who is past her prime. So that's something, you know, unfortunately, that's still very relatable where women are judged in a certain way based on their gender and their age um, in a way that men are not. So that's definitely something that um, is very relatable, I think, today in terms of actors in other fields. And um, 
Yeah, also even the criticism of um, Ida Kaminska's interpretation of Mutter Courage was really not just through a gendered lens, but also through a lens of someone specifically looking at her as a Yiddish actor and director and saying that she's bringing too much of what they saw as like a schmaltzy Yiddish feeling into her production of this um, play. That's a very interesting um, perspective as well. So definitely, I think this also other ways to look at it is um, looking at Jews more broadly as a group, as a persecuted group in some in some um, contexts, and that adding another dimension to uh, trying to create Yiddish art during times of war, during times of censorship, during uncertain political times, I think, unfortunately, that's very current for us today. Yeah, and I would add also that um, um, Leah and I'm, I'm, Mary Pye, I'm blanking on the names. Dina. Leah, uh, and Dina. Dina Koenig. Mm -hmm. So um, in, um, in the treatment of those personalities, those Yiddish actors, two generations of actors, a mother and a daughter, um, there are issues of, um, you know, um, motherhood and children and childcare um, that they have to contend with, which was obviously something universal among women actors or women generally um, who are working. Um, and uh, Miriam, just remind me of the author of that uh, of that article. Yeah, that's Corina Petrescu. Thank you, Corina's excellent article on them, um, and um, a play that was um, um, a play called. Um, Sonia Itelson um, talks about um, also the challenges of childbearing and um, abortion and reproductive rights, um, which was also something that, um, of course, you know, is is has a lot of contemporary resonance. So um, yes, that is really woven through a lot of. Um, a lot of the biographical material. And it's really most interesting when it's told in the voices of the women. And that's, we really tried to prioritize sources by women um, in order to really get um, women's take on their own experiences. And again, you did a commendable job in, in editing it that way. Um, it just it really, it rings true. It's, it's just, um, I'm going to go back and do a second read because I had to do a quick read, to be perfectly honest, um, in preparation for today. Um, but I want to go back in and absorb more of it because it's it, they're infinitely readable in and of themselves. And then they just tell such amazing stories. Um, and uh, it really puts you in play in the place of these women um, and the, uh, does it so well. So before I let you go, um, can you talk a little bit more about there's there are other aspects to this, right? Um, you talked about the memoir part of the project as well and um, and the digital Yiddish theater, um, which will all sort of expand on this, y'all. Yes, so um, there's a few aspects. There's this volume of 12 scholarly articles that's going to be published in print and also as an ebook. Then we also have um, 
an ongoing series of translations from primary sources that are published on the Digital Yiddish Theater Project website. So that's pieces like memoir excerpts and also um, translated excerpts from articles and letters, other primary sources. And then there's also this volume of um, three plays in Yiddish by women that have been translated into English. And there's also a separate volume of Esther Ruckel Kaminska's memoirs translated into English. So those are all aspects of it. And yeah, I'm excited about, especially about the translations available online because they're freely available and we've edited them very carefully. And I think they give a really interesting sense of the contents, context of people's lives. And they're just kind of like compelling stories to read anyway. So I, I love memoir. I love biography. And maybe Elisa could talk a little bit more about the plays, because I know also that one of them, um, which is called uh, Diaguna, which uh, also has a connection with the Yiddish Book Center, I understand, uh, that uh, plays the first play we know of by a woman that was published in Yiddish. And it actually deals with a woman who's trying to live a modern life, but she's finding herself subjected to, you know, traditional Jewish laws that are not enforced in a way that's really acceptable for women to be able to live their lives. Yes, yeah, so that play was um, translated. It was a play written by Maria Lerner. Um, and it was actually staged in Imperial Russia in 1880 and again in 1881. Um, so it's truly an astounding artifact, the play. Um, and it was beautifully translated um, by Elia Piazza, who as a fellow at the Yiddish Book Center. So we're very grateful to the Yiddish Book Center for supporting her work um, because it's... Um, it's truly an amazing play. Um, and um, two others in that same volume um, also really shed light on uh, women's um, women's issues. So that's the other one that I mentioned, the Sonia Itchelson play um, by... That's actually by a completely unknown author, Katie yes. Braun, who never published anything we know of. And it was from a family manuscript that was found. It was translated by Miro Minyevsky and really interesting, interesting play from the 1920s. Yes. Um, and um, Paula Prelutsky is the play, the third playwright in that volume. And um uh, a play called One One of Them. I'm not getting that right. Uh, yes, One of Them. And um, that takes place in St. Petersburg. And it's about um, a woman who, uh, who leaves her home and her family and um, supports herself through prostitution. And it's um, a really subtle treatment of the topic um, and uh, grapples with a lot of different issues. And the three the three plays really speak to one another um, over time and and place and are it's it's really an incredible collection that's going to be out in Bloomsbury um, in the winter time in December. Well, amazing work, um, and I applaud you both and all of the contributors who um, worked with you. Um, a great book, uh, and this will be available um, 
women on the Yiddish stage is forthcoming, correct? Do we have a publication date for it? Yes, we're working on that, but we're hoping within the next few months, right? Okay. Well, we will let all of our listeners know when it comes out. Um, it's a great read. Um, scholarly, yes, but infinitely readable um, and really gives you an amazing picture of these women. So I thank you both for all of your work um, ongoing um, and for taking time to join me today and stay in touch and more to come, I'm sure. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.